you go from highly notoriety person mm -hmm. to down to now you walk around and no one's interested. No one yeah. wants the autograph. No, no one cares about no what you... No one answers your calls anymore. <laughs> Nobody's answering the calls. Nobody <laughs> wants to yeah. listen to what you did on 4th and 5 against the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers in 2014. You know, no one cares about that anymore. I had a year in 2017 when I was out of the NFL. And it's not that I'm not saying I experienced that, but I experienced not having football for an entire season. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, it made me realize, like, OK, when this comes back up the next time, because yeah. it will eventually all NFL careers in, I'm going to make sure I'm, I've got a plan. Your ability to toe the line. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, I, I do think that you're able to do it partially because of who you are. Right. right. Like that, that's that. Some young broadcasters can't because they're not RG3, right? You have the ability to kind of do some of that, which is really cool. It's a benefit to the credibility you've built up where you can kind of, producers aren't, may give you a little bit more leeway than like a <laughs> producer that isn't, that doesn't have you have your background. Right. How do you handle that with like executives and producers and yep. stuff when, when you make some funny comments, when you maybe do things that aren't traditional? You what I would say is, <laughs> I, I don't need the job. Yeah. So, because I don't need the job, it, it gives me a little bit more freedom yeah. to to uh, take a slap on the wrist mm -hmm. for something uh, for the sake of fun. I'm noticing that you say we won the Heisman. Yes. You, you, I don't think you said I won the Heisman one time. <laughs> Is that intentional? Like I always say we won the Heisman because it was a it was a collaborative effort, and I just know how much it meant to the school. Uh, only Heisman in school history. Yeah. It's different when yeah. you win a Heisman at Baylor than when you win it mm -hmm. at Texas or you win it yeah. at Alabama no, no. or Ohio State. What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Next Up podcast. I'm Adam Brenneman. We are here in Houston, Texas. My first time ever here. Going to talk to the man, the myth, the legend, Robert Griffin III, becoming one of the biggest media personalities in football. Listen to this schedule today. So me and Thomas, my video guy, flew from Philadelphia to Houston this morning. I think our flight was like 5.30 a.m. Landed, came right to the studio here to record this podcast with RG3 and flying right back to Philly so I can get ready for college football season to start. We're gonna to talk to RG3 about all things, his career, his time in the NFL, his time as a broadcaster, the ups and downs, and he has some awesome wisdom to share with everyone. Really an awesome guy, super positive, just love his vibe and his personality, so I'm excited for all of you to hear it. Before we get to the podcast, please, Subscribe to wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Leave us a review. Leave us a comment. All your support means a ton to me and helps me put on this podcast at a high level and travel around the country to do it. So let's go talk to RG3. Guys, we have a new sponsor for the Next Up podcast called Dara Lab, and I am fired up. Because of Caldera Lab, I'm able to put my best face forward. How do I do that? By adding a skincare routine from Caldera Lab into my day every single day. Now I know what you're saying, there's no way this guy sticks to a skincare routine, but joke's on you because there's no way this face stays this clean and looks this good without it. And honestly, it's not that hard. I just needed the tools and now I have them from Caldera Lab. Here's some insight on my personal routine. Number one, the clean slate. It's a face wash that starts and ends every single day for me. Number two, the base layer, a moisturizer that hydrates my skin, and number three, the good, a bedtime night serum that has my skin feeling tighter and smoother than ever before. The skincare world 
world is not just for females anymore. It's for men too. And it's doing wonders for me. So what are y'all waiting for? Go to calderalab.com slash Adam B for 20% off their best products. That's a huge discount at calderalab.com slash Adam B. And guys, supporting our sponsors like Caldera Lab supports me and allows me to do this podcast every single week for all of you. So please support Caldera Lab at calderalab.com slash Adam B for 20% off. Before we get to the pod, I want to tell you all about Athletic Greens. And let me tell you, when I found out about this sponsor, I was fired up because I've been using Athletic Greens for years and I want to promote to you guys the things I actually use. I love Athletic Greens. As a former Division I athlete, I've tried countless supplements and recently my nutrition and my health has become a bigger deal for me as I get farther away from my playing career. And let me tell you, Athletic Greens is the real deal. Has me feeling healthy and energized every single day. With as much as I'm on the road traveling, shooting podcasts, it's hard to have a healthy diet, hard to have healthy nutrition, hard for me to get my vitamins and minerals every single day. My doctor even told me that last time I saw him. But with Athletic Greens, I get 75 plus vitamins, minerals, and a bunch of other healthy things. I don't even know what they are, but I know they're good for you. And when I wake up every single day now, I feel energized. My digestion has never been better, and I'm ready to attack each and every day because of Athletic Greens and AG1. So if you want to take ownership of your health like I am right now, try AG1 today at drinkag1.com slash next up, and you get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs when you go to my link, tryag1.com slash next up. And guys, all of you who support this podcast, you guys supporting our sponsors helps me a ton. So please go support AG1 and support next up through the process and optimize your health and nutrition today. Drinkag1.com slash next up. Check it out. Next up. <laughs> Tell everybody, you know, Will. Somebody. Good. Yeah. Cool. Somebody was asking me about like who's one of my funniest teammates in, in DC. I'm like, you know, we had some we had some funny guys. You know, Chris Baker was funny, D tackle. Yeah. Um uh, you know, Roy Halu Jr. running back, what we had was a funny guy. And like well kind of like Will was funny. <laughs> but who who he has become uh, with Barstool is kind of just him times a, a thousand. Yeah. So he was a funny teammate. He was hilarious, but he he wasn't what he is right now. It's funny because you look at a guy like you who was was a superstar in the league and now is a superstar in media. Will was like a a nobody in the league, right? And now he's way bigger and it's funny. And I, I stole his words by saying that. He, he's like what is, what he's like way bigger than he ever was playing in the yeah, NFL. It's part of the, his shtick too. You know, part of his shtick is. I wasn't anything in the league, yeah. you know, year 10, yeah. uh, a bunch of that stuff. But now nah, Will, he's, he's he's catapulted himself over the last, what, maybe five, six years yeah. into a, a giant there at Barstool. It's impressive. It's just, it's, um, yeah. He's probably raking in the dough on that pod, man. Once, once you go that route, though, there's no coming back. Yeah. From Barstool. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So yeah. You, you hit your wagon, hit your wagon to it. That's all you can do. Yeah, uh, yeah you would never be a broadcaster and never do any of that stuff. You know, it, I asked him about it. I was like, "Would do you ever want to be like, you know, with all the new pregame shows and all that stuff and the sports betting stuff happening? Like, will you ever? Would you ever go on one of those?" And he was like, "I don't think they'd want me." <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the 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 tide is changing for sure. You know, Pat Pat was with Barstool, yeah. and then he broke off from them and did his own thing. Yeah. So it's I don't know. 
I don't know if anything's really off limits anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. with the way that everything's gone towards digital and, and Bar- yeah. Barcelona is still going to be huge. Yeah. So even if he does hitch his wagon to that, um, Barstool by itself has a cult following. Yeah. You know, no doubt. so yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, he's, he'll be good. He'll be good. He'll yeah. be fine. He's doing great. Yeah. I'm happy for him. Yeah. Are we, how are we, how are we doing, Thomas? Feeling good? good? Yeah. We're rolling? Absolutely. All right. All right. I appreciate you doing this, man. I've been wanting to have you on for a while. We we have the same agent, which is how we got connected yep. with with Mark and Nicole, and they've been like, you got to go see RG3 for a while, and I, I appreciate you squeezing it in, especially before the season starts. I know oh, it's no going to be problem, crazy. No problem. It's going to be fun. Yeah. What do you like more, life as an NFL quarterback or life as a top broadcaster? Which one's more fun? Um, I think life as a top broadcaster is uh, safer. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, I watch the games. I'm not at the point yet. A lot of my colleagues at ESPN are they they watch games and they're like, oh my gosh, my my body starts hurting and mm-hmm. I just know I can't do it anymore. I'm not at that stage because I'm only 33 years old and I still train every day. So um, I love the game, yeah. Uh, but not not getting hit and all that is is certainly better for my family. Yeah, uh, the longevity of life and the quality of life. But uh, life as an NFL quarterback. I mean, you either love it or you don't love it. Yeah. Um, there, there's no in between. It's not. It, it's not like playing a lot of other positions where you can love football one day and maybe not the next, and still find remnants of success. Uh, quarterback, you got to be yeah. on your all p's in. and q's <laughs> all the time. And I, I enjoyed that life. I yeah. love that life. So, um, I wouldn't say I prefer one over the other. Yeah. I would just say I enjoyed both. I feel like you're. Your life, we were just talking about Will Compton before we started, and how his life has changed with media. Yep. When I think about you. There's a whole generation now that's going to know you as RG3, the broadcaster, the media personality, <laughs> before they know RG3, the, the quarterback. Right, right. right. Is that, have you like started to see that at all? I mean, it hasn't been that long. It's been a few years since you... Uh, you know, we're we're a starter in the league, but do you, do you do you start seeing that shift a little bit now, or people recognize you and know you from ESPN? Yeah, I mean. It's tough. Like, you work at the worldwide leader in sports. You're going to be on TV all the time. Um, I think part of the allure is the how you captivated the the crowd as a player. Mm -hmm. Those fans are are still with you, but everyone's going to be skeptical because, you know, players try to coach. Players try to do broadcasting. and and, All of them. (laughs) And not not everybody is uh, very successful at it or or has uh, the it factor in that that regard. So to be able to come over to broadcasting and bring the fans that I had already and now you're, I guess, accumulating more fans uh, by what you're doing on TV, I think they just amplify each other. You know, yeah. it'd be different if I if I wasn't a player and I had to come on the media scene yeah. and had a meteoric rise. It would just be all media. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a, a certain nostalgia uh, yeah. about being a player and not being able to do this at a high level. So, you know, I'm I'm excited yeah. about it. Now nah, it's yeah. weird because, you know, as players, I always told guys this guys this in the locker room that. You have this period of time in your life. You know, if you're lucky, the average NFL career is three years, yeah. right? But if you're lucky, really, really lucky, you can get eight, nine, ten mm-hmm. years out of this bad boy. Mm-hmm. And then after that, your life changes because now for the rest of your life, you're no longer an NFL player. Yeah, you no longer have that camaraderie in the locker room, mm-hmm. um, and guys miss out on that. They miss the camaraderie. They miss going and playing, and they don't know what to do for the next. 40 years of their life 50 years of their life because all they've done for their entire life yeah. is play football and there's a massive crash there as well mm-hmm. right you go from highly notoriety person mm-hmm. 
to down till now you walk around and no one's interested. No one yeah. wants the autograph. No, no one, one cares about no what one answers you answers your calls anymore. <laughs> Nobody's answering the calls. Nobody <laughs> wants to yeah. listen to what you did on fourth and five <laughs> against the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2014. You know, no one cares about that anymore. And and players struggle with that. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I had a year in 2017 when I was out of the NFL. And it's not that I'm not saying I experienced that, but I experienced not having football for an entire season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it made me realize, like, okay, when this comes back up the next time, because yeah. it will eventually all NFL careers in, I'm going to make sure um, I've got a plan and I'm ready to go. And it's not about staying relevant. It's not about being in the public eye. It's about having that next part of your journey. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would encourage all NFL players to do, just as you're working on your craft to be the best football player you possibly can, work on what that journey looks like for you afterwards because that's where you're going to spend the majority of your life. So I'm blessed to to be able to do TV and and have fun and be able to show different sides of myself. But I know that... um, Everyone's not as fortunate, and yeah. and you got to take advantage of the opportunities that you get. Did you know during that 2017 season that you wanted? Is that when you learned you wanted to do TV? No, Did you were thinking about coaching. Like, were you kind of? So I was split. I wanted to coach. Yeah. Um, but when it's you tough life, man. You know, when it's you dedicate 20 years of your life to playing the game, <laughs> yeah. and then I see the schedule of some of the coaches and what they have to do, and it's not like the NFL is the NBA, yeah. where you have guys that can, you know, as soon as they're done playing, they're like the assistant head coach yeah, yeah. Uh, on the basketball you be team, a GA. <laughs> right? For football, they yeah. make you work it the the long road, yeah. and you got to go be a GA, whether it's in college mm-hmm. or you got to go be an offensive, you know, say. assistant in the NFL yeah. and work your way up. So I was just telling myself, uh, I don't want that life for my family because I'll just be taking more time away from them. Mm -hmm. I'm a girl dad, four girls. You know, I want to be there Mm -hmm. for basketball practices and and ballerina recitals and all those different things. So coaching would be tough there. And on TV, we got the same agent. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do TV either because I didn't want to be a talking head that. You know, is is disrespecting players and yeah. and talking about their work ethic or their character mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Um, but Mark Lepselter bothered me for three years. Uh, three, <laughs> He's a good recruiter. He <laughs> bothered me for three years. Hey, you got to do this. You can do this. You would be so good at it. I'm like, yeah. Mark, I don't want to do it. But I'll tell you this, because it was after about a year and a half. He just would not leave me alone. I said, <laughs> if I do it, I'll do it with you. Yeah. And in 2021, I was a free agent. He bothered me for three months in the offseason. I'm still telling him I don't want to do it mm-hmm. uh, to go do an audition with Fox. I did that. They were blown away, came, and ESPN heard about it. They, I did an audition with ESPN. They were blown away. And at that moment, I was like, okay, well, if they're blown away by what I just auditioned for and that I don't even want to do this, uh, maybe there's something here. Maybe this is where God is pointing me to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I did that first year in 2021, uh, and all I did was college games. And yeah. uh, it's been a meteoric, you know, uh, journey mm-hmm. ever since then. And I learned that you don't have to be that guy that that yeah. you know disrespects players and and talks bad about. Uh, them in a way that is, I, I feel, you know, unprofessional. Mm-hmm. You can go on, give your analysis, and be con- and give constructive criticism, and have a great time, have fun, and that's what people want to see, yeah. and that's what I want to do. So, these past two years of TV have been a revelation for me because I don't think a lot of players realize that you don't have to do it that way. Yeah, 
Yeah, I feel like there's such a negative connotation, like you just said, in the league, even in college, about media personalities, right? You, you look at them, you almost make fun of former players that went on to be media <laughs> personalities. You're like, dude, he sold out to the media, right? It's like, exactly. hey, he's really that guy. Yep. How do you go about, but then, you know, being in it myself, the fine line of like, I played at Penn State. Yep. And having a close relationship with Coach Franklin and all those guys and knowing that like they see everything I put out. I'm also an analyst. So I yep. can't just say Penn State's going to win the Big Ten every year. Correct. So like, how do you balance that in your mind of, of like, you got to have credibility and you can't right. just say stuff because, oh, that's RG3's boy. So of course he's going to say that. Correct. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. How do you balance it? Yeah, your point about you can't pick Penn State to win every yeah. year. Well, there's there's some analysts that do. They, they, you know what? It's, it's better if I just pick yeah. this team so I don't hear anything about it and uh, for me the credibility part is huge so uh, people say I'm like really really positive guy and I am I, I am a positive guy but when you get into the season that's the time in my opinion for the constructive criticism yeah it's easy to criticize uh, mm-hmm. you know a coach once told me you know a great coach is is someone who can get on you and you still feel like he's got my back yeah Whereas, uh, you know, a, a coach that's not so good is going to get on you and he's going to make it so personal for you. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't established that relationship with you to be able to yeah. to be able to do that, that you're like, man, does this guy really have my best yeah. interest at heart? So when I get into TV and, and you talk about that credibility, I say the offseason is the time to be positive. Mm-hmm. Why, why, what are we being negative about in the offseason? These yeah. guys are growing, they're developing, whether it's college or pro. When the season rolls around and now you see the results of all the work mm-hmm. and you see what's going wrong, now it's your job as an analyst to mm-hmm. point that out, but not just point it out and, and tell some stories about some rumors you heard. It's yeah. to point it out and, and try to give them a solution to fix this problem. Uh, and that's where I feel like I've worked the hardest to, to do that because mm-hmm. I know I'm an overly positive guy, yeah. but I'm not going to gloss over that interception this guy just threw. Mm-hmm. I'm also not going to say he's the worst player of all time yeah. and he can't play the yeah, position balance, right? because he threw that pick. It's yeah. like, listen, his feet were, were not in the right place. Mm-hmm. His eyes weren't where they needed to be. He didn't see the safety. Maybe, he, maybe there was a really good pass rush and he couldn't get off his mm-hmm. spot. So... I try to approach it that way, and that gives me that credibility, but I'm not trying to go out there and show anybody that I'm the smartest guy yeah. on the broadcast. Yeah. My, my whole goal with every broadcast is to try to have fun, be myself, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, we're, this is entertainment. Mm-hmm. People watch a game, they want to be entertained by the game, yeah. don't detract from that, add to it, and yeah. that's how I approach it. That's the other part of what's really cool about you. I, I've watched games of yours just as a, again, as a young broadcaster, like trying to learn from stuff you've done because you've, ris- you've risen so fast. Your ability to toe the line, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, I, I do think that you're able to do it partially because of who you are, right? right. Like that, that's, that some young broadcasters can't because they're not RG3, right? You have the ability to kind of do some of that, which is really cool. It's a benefit to the credibility you build up where you can kind of, producers aren't, may give you a little bit more leeway than like a producer <laughs> that isn't, that doesn't have you have your background. Right. How do you handle that with like executives and producers and yep. stuff when, when you make some funny comments, when you maybe do things that aren't traditional? You know, I, I just got through the preseason, uh, what do I call it? The, the, the preseason football seminars at yes. like CBS yes, where I'm working yes, at, yes, like, yes. And, you know, and, and, and Big Ten Network, and they're all, here's what we want. We want it to be like this. Here's our rules. And like, right. you're probably sk- skirting around those a little bit because you want the broadcast to be fun. Right. How do you kind of balance that and handle that? Yeah, I mean, what I would say is, <laughs> I I don't need the job 
Yeah. So because I don't need the job, it, it gives me a little bit more freedom <laughs> yeah. to to uh, take a slap on the wrist mm -hmm. for something uh, for the sake of fun. Now I've gotten calls. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've gotten calls about some stuff that I've said, and and I and I've paired it back uh, yeah. in that regard. I don't pair back the fun. I don't pair back the analysis. But if it's like, you know, I've been towing the line for like four weeks now, <laughs> and it's it's getting let's get a little dicey. It's getting a little hot. <laughs> yeah. I will I will pair that back so that I don't tow the line for that amount of time because I'm not trying to put my network i'm not trying to put my producer or director mm -hmm. or my play-by-play -play guy in a tough spot and too much of that can can do that i don't think i've ever gotten there yet because yeah. most of the stuff that i've said has been protected by this is the guy's name yeah, yeah, yeah. right it's, do you plan that out do you, do, you have that, do you have that in your head going into the game no like, i didn't the one you're talking about is the uh, the orgy in the end zone yeah, that, with, with michigan one, that's yeah, that's yeah. a famous one so <laughs> I, do, I don't ever go through the roster and look at the third or fourth quarterback uh, and be like, all right, let's see what we can do here. <laughs> yeah. They were blowing the team out so bad that Alex Orgy got in the game. So when I went and we looked at his last name, <laughs> it was in the game. And we're like, I, I kind of played it up like. I'm not touching that. You know, number 10, he's doing his thing. Nice job by Alex getting the, doing the zone read here. And he just kept making plays. Called him by his first name. Right? He, he kept making plays. And I'm like, I'm not touching that last name. And I was saying it on the broadcast, like, I'm not going there. And then he scored a touchdown. And I was like, I have to. I absolutely have to. Now, I didn't get any calls about that. I didn't get any text messages from any executives. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say complaining, but like more so warning about yeah. that. I didn't get any of that. And I think it was because there's an understanding. Hey, that's this guy's last name. It, it is some somewhat funny. Mm -hmm. Just be careful. And that's kind of kind of where all of the things that I have said have have, have landed. Yeah. It's not a problem. Yeah. Just be careful because you you know, if you don't ever get checked or have checks and balances, mm -hmm. you'll go so far left yeah. Yeah. that now it's not even yeah, like you're not even line, you're right? not even towing the line. You're <laughs> yeah. just way over here. Yeah. So I think that's what it really comes down to for me. Um, and I don't say it in a way of like I've got so much money, I don't need any of these jobs. It's, yeah. I've taken care of my myself, my finances, my family is secure. So I'm willing to take a few more risks. I'm willing to do the, the tunnel walk yeah. at Michigan. Yeah, that was sweet. That was right? awesome. I'm willing to do that because if I if I fall flat on my face, I I, I, yeah. I tried. Yeah. But because I don't feel like, man, I, I can't make any mistakes here, I have to do this perfectly, mm -hmm. it allows me to, to play freely, as I would say. Yeah. I get to broadcast freely uh, and then know when I need to, to pair it back a little bit. And I think I've got, I got really, really good at that the last three, three months of last season to know like, hey, get away from the line yeah. and uh, right, let's let's push the yeah. line. No, it is here. true. Like when, whenever people talk about you broadcasting, they all say, like, I love listening to them call the game. <laughs> and, and right, like no one's going to remember. I always say this and remind myself of this. No one's going to remember you as a broadcaster because you had the best analysis of like what they were going to do on third down. Right. You know, like even the Tony Romo predicting the play gets old after a while. People, after you do it a few times, no longer cute. They're like, let us watch the game. But they remember you if you make them have fun and, and you make them laugh on the broadcast. Correct. And you've done such a good job of that. And again, like the, the Michigan tunnel walk thing, I was, I've was i been looking at ways to incorporate stuff like that on broadcast. <laughs> I just saw that. I'm like, okay, I'm calling an Army game. How can I do that at Army in the student section Correct. with the, you know, it's cool stuff like that that you definitely have, have led the way on. Let me ask you about, uh, it's funny, I wanted to dive into like your recruitment and career. We dove right into the media part, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, uh, 
your schedule during the season now yep. because I just saw you're doing Monday Night Football Correct. again, right? The, the, did you do that last year? I did it last, last year. year. Yeah. They decided to revamp the, the whole crew. Yeah. Um, just want to say shout out to Susie and, and Booger yeah. and Steve. They really helped me last year ease into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it was a Emmy-nominated show. So they are phenomenal. They're some of the greats, but they decided to revamp the show this year and and uh, and put Marcus Spears and Ryan Clark and Scott mm-hmm. Van Pelt on. So, yeah, when you talk about that schedule, it's crazy. Because you're prepping for Saturday games, right? You're doing big college games and then also doing Sunday. I mean, how do you... How do you prepare for all that? Yes. And then you're doing studio hits during the week, right? I do some studio hits during the so week. So do you go to Bristol for those? So, you know, the, the the way the schedule works is I'm not a TV everyday guy. Yeah. Um, so I, I might hit one studio or two studio spots per month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you have a schedule of traveling on Friday, call the yes. game on Saturday, come back home, watch the games on Sunday, travel out on Monday morning, come back home Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. it get it can get a little chaotic. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I get up, I'm, I'm getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning so I can work out mm-hmm. uh, so that at 6.15 I can be dad Mm-hmm. And I can help my wife take the kids to school, do pickups and drop offs, yeah. uh, make breakfast, you know, get the kids the multivitamin, all the stuff. <laughs> because, you know, what I've learned is because the schedule has gotten so chaotic, if I just get up at seven or six yeah. and, and, and be dad and now I'm going to be working out when I should be studying film mm-hmm. for the next game or I'm going to be working out or I'm going to be doing pickups and drop offs and that's going to eat into the time of uh, what I should be doing to prepare for Monday Night Countdown. So, mm-hmm. you know, that time management is really important for me to be the best dad and husband that I can be. Okay. It, 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 the broadcast side of it, I work hard. You know how hard mm-hmm. you have to work to be good in yeah. broadcasting, but you have to work even twice as hard when you have a young family like mm-hmm. I do. True. An eight-year-old, six-year-old, a three-year-old who's about to be four, and mm-hmm. a seven-month-old. I can't leave my wife hanging just because I'm chasing chasing yeah. this dream of being the greatest broadcaster ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to make sure that I take that all into account. So when you bring up that schedule, it's like, man, I'm, I'm sacrificing sleep for mm-hmm. six months out of the year because I'd rather not sleep and be able to be the best dad I can be and the best mm-hmm. husband I can be while also being the best broadcaster. So yeah. I, got, I, was, I was in D.C. Uh, just yesterday. I just got back this morning. Um, and I slept on the flight. <laughs> you know, I, that's where I, a lot of times I have to find that sleep. And I don't think a lot of people understand how hard of a grind it can be mm-hmm. because they just see you show up on Saturday and they're like, oh man, these yeah. guys are so smart. I mean, the pre- that, that's what I'm trying to understand in my mind is the preparation that it takes. Yeah. Guys, here's the reality. It is summertime. Summertime means more fun, more ladies, more time on the beach. And what's crucial during that time? You have to look good, top to bottom, literally. The way I make sure I'm looking good and fresh and light every day in the summer is with Manscaped. The Performance Package 4.0 has me feeling my best. Last time I was at the pool about two weeks ago, I had the shirt off, my face was clean, I was groomed well below, and my confidence was at an all-time high, and it paid dividends for me. 
Here's why I love the Performance Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 has everything you could ever need to keep you looking your best. It comes with the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and even a travel bag to hold all your tools. Trust me, guys, you don't want to miss out on this bundle. So, guys, go to manscaped.com and use my code ADAMB for 20% off and free shipping to get what you need to be feeling good this summer. That's code ADAMB at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping and guys supporting the sponsors of this podcast like manscaped helps support me and allows me to do this podcast every week for all of you so go to manscaped.com use my code adam b for 20 percent off and free shipping i think about herb street a lot too like mm-hmm. the thursday night game the game day and calling the game mm-hmm. and i know obviously everyone i i'm talking talk about this with other people and they're like well he has a team around him helping he still has to know like he's he on air by himself yeah no one's telling him what to say once the lights come on no. so like you got to prepare all week for the game you're calling. Yep. You also have to know what's going on in college football and co- in the NFL at every every big game. Exactly. You know, maybe not every FBS game, but you got to know the top 25 teams, what 100%. they just did that week, who their yep. quarterback is, what injuries they got. And then you got to know the Monday, the Monday night game. So it's like, I'm just trying to think of how you have time to, because I mean, I'm preparing for one game a week and I still right. think it's hard to, hard to feel, right. you know, with all the, you just talked about the backup quarterback, Alex Orgy, out of the game. I mean, you got to know who the backup quarterback is. Correct. You know, it's, Listen, it's a grind. People no, don't realize. It is a grind and we called um, so last year TCU yeah. right a lot of people said they, they came out of nowhere I know TCU strength coach Kyle Kazadi because he was my strength coach at Baylor mm-hmm. he's a he's a genius right I knew Max Duggan because uh, we had called a game for them the previous year he was a little banged up yeah. but I told him after that game I said I think you're one of the best quarterbacks in the country mm-hmm. so then we get this game TCU versus Oklahoma right and Dylan Gabriel goes down mm-hmm well, I already knew who the backup quarterback was. Mm-hmm. Why? Because his name was General Booty. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And I thought that was hilarious. Uh-huh. I know a lot of people think that was that is hilarious. But when you talk about all these storylines, it's, it's almost as if as a broadcaster, you have to think big picture mm-hmm. so that you can have a conversation no matter where the conversation goes. Yeah. And then for your game, you have to think, small picture I'm going to do everything I possibly can to tell this quarterbacks running backs wide receiver offensive lineman story to the best of my ability because you know this there's a responsibility that you have as a broadcaster Mm -hmm. that what you say people believe Mm -hmm. so if you say something about a guy's character you say something about a guy's ability better be true it better be true because it sticks with that guy for the rest of his career Mm -hmm. so I make sure that that's what I'm in this industry for. I am a storyteller. I want to tell that guy's story to the best of my ability. And if I don't know the specific details, I'll leave it alone because a story mm-hmm. untold that's false yeah. is better than telling a so story true. that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. It's a great point. I mean, even as an analyst, I love what you do so well is not all the time not everyone wants to be told what to do what's going on in the football game like you got to talk to the person who's watching the game it's like being a teacher mm-hmm. you got to talk to the smartest person in the room right who knows ball the, the coach that's watching there you go and also you got to talk to my mom right who's like, <laughs> who just wants to like just thinks they're throwing the ball around and you got to exactly. go to communicate to both and that's where the stories come in 100%. like like they just converted a they, they converted a 15 yard pass sometimes you don't always have to go break down like why that dig route worked against that coverage but more so why that quarterback and receiver have a connection because they both got recruited and were committed to the same school and then they you know it's like that kind of stuff do you agree with that no i agree 100 percent. and and it's it's a delicate balance and you know this if you told me 
everything that you do leading up to a game and how you're going to call a game, mm-hmm. I will never call a game like you. No doubt. Yeah. Why? Because I'm not you. Mm-hmm. I could have your notes. I could have all the same stories. I'm not going to have the, the same timing as you to tell that story. I'm not going to have the same rhythm mm. to that story. So when people ask me those questions, they're like, hey, why, do you, why don't you just break down every play? It's like, well, yeah. one, it's not cool to break down a three-yard loss, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, and I don't have enough time to break it down either, yeah. but I can talk about the defensive end and how he set the edge and, mm. and got, you know, got off his block and ripped and, and made the tackle for loss. I can talk about that. Yeah. That's easy. But I, I don't have enough time to go through and talk about how the D-line stunted all inside and they mm-hmm. confused the center because they rolled the safety down. Then he went back out and they blitzed the other yeah. safety. Some of that stuff, I feel like guys are trying to show how smart they are. Mm-hmm. And, and, there's a, and, and there's a time for that. There is, yeah, there is. There's yeah. a time for that. Yeah. But not every play. Yeah. You know, I think people get more excited about the big plays mm-hmm. and, and just enjoying that moment. Then you bringing them back down mm-hmm. to reality. If I see a 15 yard throw and it's an amazing catch and, and the quarterback yeah. just got clobbered, I'm not going to talk to you about how he just had a touchdown yeah. over here to this guy on the left side of the field. I'm going to celebrate that play with you. Mm-hmm. That that kid who made that catch, his family celebrating that play, no right? So that for me, telling the stories, staying in the moment, and not trying to follow your own self-created narratives that you yeah. want to bring to that game yeah. let the game take you where you're going to go that's why you have to study so that you can be flexible yeah yeah no I love it they, uh, just on the one call I was on they said as an analyst and a play-by-play guy you got to remember you're doing it for the fan and not for the producers there you go you know because half the time you're thinking like what are they going to like uh, anyway, <laughs> you know? exactly anyway uh, last thing on the media side um, what was your was there a moment when you got into it at first yeah. where you were like almost like where you were first figuring it out and I mean live TV is a different animal now you got producers talking in your ear you got a whole Mm -hmm. lot going on was there a moment when you first got up there and you were like didn't click right away or you kind of had to get over the hump of learning how to handle the different cameras and the screens and the the earpiece like I remember for example my first first game I ever called middle of the first quarter producer said something in my ear and I forget the press to talk back button, and I say something, <laughs> and I'm like, I got it. I'm like, got it, man. But I'm I'm on air. Right, okay, like, right. No one probably noticed it, hopefully. But you know, I say got it to the producer without pressing talk back. Shit like that is, I think, is kind of funny. Anything like that ever happened to you? Yeah. So you know, I got to give a lot of praise and and uh, you know, acknowledgement to my my very first producer, mm-hmm. uh, Kim Belton. I've been with him for the past two years. I have a new producer now, um, but he took me through. And two days before um, my first game was an HBCU game, he he brought me in the booth, mm-hmm. showed me the talk back, showed me the cough button. Yeah. We worked on the Telestrator for two days before the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that thing's tough to use. It, 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 it's, it can be tough. <laughs> it never works the right it, way. <laughs> it can be tough, but he taught me how yeah. to use it. And we literally went through like a highlight of 20 plays. Mm-hmm. So for two straight days, I'm like breaking down these 20 plays with the Telestrator, yeah. doing all this different stuff. Because you know in TV, a lot of times it's, hey, as soon as you get in there, mm-hmm. hey, man, you got to fend for yourself, figure it yeah. out on your own. He took the time to help teach me all of those things. So when I got into my first game, oh, it was a breeze. Mm-hmm. And I say it was a breeze because, you know, this is just what you love to do. Mm-hmm. So now take all that knowledge that you that you have and give it to the 
the viewer, give it to mm-hmm. the fan in a way that's digestible. Like you yeah. said, I'm not just talking to yeah. the guy who's the diehard football fan. I'm also mm-hmm. talking to the grandma mm-hmm. or the mom who's watched maybe five games in their life. Mm-hmm. But can they understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But can I also give the guy who's a diehard football player or diehard Some football insight. fan something <laughs> that he's like, oh, man, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know about yeah. that. So uh, for me, the moment that I knew like, hey, man, I really want to do this. We were calling a game. It was Texas Tech versus Houston my first mm-hmm. year. And get to the first break, and I almost start crying in the booth. And the reason I almost started crying because I'm watching the game. And, you know, you, if mm-hmm. you love the game, you miss the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the game, and I'm like, man, I, I miss doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm calling a college game, and, and you know, it's it's not quite as technical as an NFL game yeah. and, and maybe not the, the quite the talent level all mm-hmm. over the field, but it's still football. Mm-hmm. And I just told myself in that moment, it's like, well, if I can't play the game, then this is my opportunity to give back to the game in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. And I do think that as a broadcaster, you can give back to the game in a bigger way yeah. than you can as a player. As a player, it's all about you. It's all yeah. about the team winning championships in broadcasting. Other people. It's, a, it's other people. You don't know whether you win or not. Mm-hmm. The only time you know if you lose is if you get a call like, <laughs> hey, man, you, yeah. you really need to pick it up or whatever. And I'm not getting any of those calls. I know you're not getting <laughs> yeah. any of those calls. Yeah. So you kind of walk away and it's like, how do I win in this industry? Mm-hmm. Well, you win by making sure that you're doing right by the people that you're covering. And that's a a huge responsibility that I take seriously. And I think it was that moment in 2021 in that game that I was like, if this is my calling, this is what I'm going to do. This is it. I'm going to go all in on that. I love it. I love it. I want to rewind back to uh, high school. Okay. So I've heard stories about your recruitment, but I haven't heard you tell the story of how <laughs> of how you ended up at Baylor. Yep. I know you were committed to Houston yep. with Art Biles. I also heard maybe you were going to go to Stanford at one point. So yep. uh, <laughs> give me the All give true. me the story of the recruitment <laughs> of uh, of the first offer to ending up at Baylor. Okay, so I did not start in high school until I was a junior. Uh-huh. Uh, I played freshman football. I was a backup on varsity as a sophomore. Why were you the backup? Um, was there a, was there a beast there was in front a, of you? There was a guy, uh, a quarterback in front of me named Brent Garner. Uh, he, he had been the starter for two years already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was a good player. So um, it's funny because he was our quarterback. He ended up, uh, you know, almost going to college to be a kicker because he was a really good <laughs> kicker too. Um, but, you know, he was, he was the leader of the group. He yeah. was a guy that, you know, had been there and had done that. So I was the backup that year and I played a little bit of receiver. Um, so as a junior, that was my first year starting, and we went to the state championship, uh, first time in school history. It was at that moment that I knew, like, okay, football might be a thing. <laughs> I was a basketball. <laughs> I was a basketball guy. Yeah. Loved basketball. I played. I played varsity basketball. I ran mm-hmm. varsity track as a freshman, and I was on the freshman football team. Mm-hmm. That's how competitive and how important football is mm-hmm. in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy that's super athlete can't even get on the varsity yeah. of his football team. <laughs> <laughs> I will also say I probably wasn't as dedicated to football <laughs> at, at that point, but um, my first offer came in was Kansas. Mm-hmm. Now I was like, Kansas, how was that your first offer? Well, that was when, uh, was it Mangino? 
yeah. was there and uh, Todd Reesing. Funniest thing is I just posted. Some Kansas fan just responded. to I posted a story. I said, what should I ask RG3 today? <laughs> some Kansas fan said, ask him about how he almost went to Kansas. And yep. I, I thought it was a joke. No, almost. <laughs> Kansas was my first offer. The, awesome. They came in after my junior year and they believed in me as a player and I, I was going to go to Kansas. Uh-huh. There was a lot of I was going to go to. Mangino ended up getting uh, fired. fired. Yeah. And then my recruitment was all over the place. Uh, Ron Zook, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, was at uh, was it uh, Syracuse at mm-hmm. the time with Juice Williams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he came in and recruited me heavily. Then he got fired. Uh, Philip Fulmer came in and recruited me heavily from Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I was just talking to T. Martin about this mm-hmm. uh, at practice at the Ravens practice. Uh, Coach Fulmer brings me in. He shows me this highlight of. Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, this is Peyton Manning, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I know Peyton Manning. He's awesome. <laughs> so, but I don't need, I don't need that guy. Flips the tape. It's T. Martin. Lights go off. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I need this guy to go win a national championship because everyone knows Peyton didn't win mm-hmm. one at Tennessee, but T. Martin did. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that was a big part. I was going to go there. David Cutcliffe uh, mm-hmm. was there as the OC. Yeah. He left, went to Duke, and then Coach Fulmer got fired at Tennessee. Yeah. So a lot of that was going on with me. I, Miami is where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and Coach Coker got fired. Uh, a lot of firings. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? All these schools that are coming to recruit me and I want to go there, they're, they're, it's just not working out. Yeah. So I wasn't a camp guy. I didn't do Elite 11 or whatever they were back then mm-hmm. uh, in 2007. I went to Houston, uh, a camp in Houston and a camp at Tulsa. And it's like, why am I messing with Kansas, Tulsa, and Houston? Well, it was because I had done my research and knew who the, the coordinators were for those teams. Mm-hmm. So obviously Art Browse, uh, offensive genius there at Houston. And then uh, Gus Malzahn was at Tulsa. Mm-hmm. He had just left uh, Arkansas. That's right. Yeah. So I knew who those guys were. I knew that was the kind of system I needed to be in to mm-hmm. be successful. And then uh, I went to the Houston camp. I threw there. Coach came and talked to me. It was him, Philip Montgomery, who's now the OC at Auburn. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Kendall Browse, mm-hmm. who's the OC at Arkansas. They asked me, they said, hey, um, are you going to any more camps? And I said, uh, no, nah, I'm not going to any more camps. He said, uh, uh, good, because we don't want anyone else to know that you can throw the ball like this. <laughs> I'm like, I understand that. So to, to really boil down my recruitment, what it came to was I had over 25 offers as a quarterback, mm-hmm. and then I had about five offers as an athlete or a DB. So after my junior year, A&M came in, Texas A&M, mm-hmm. and the recruiting coordinator uh, I went to the spring game. You know how you do in spring game. Yeah. We, we kill it. Boy, yeah. I had like six touchdowns now. <laughs> Killing it. Threw for 300, ran for another 100 in the spring game. Mm-hmm. And he said, man, you're one hell of a quarterback, but I can make you an All-American safety. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, you know, I appreciate that, coach. And I just shook his hand yeah. and uh, I just didn't accept the offer. Mm-hmm. So A&M offered me as a safety. Texas offered me as an athlete. Uh, LSU offered me as an athlete and then came back after my senior year and offered me as a quarterback. UCLA offered me as an athlete, came back in the middle of my senior year, offered me as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Oregon offered me as a quarterback. Um, So for me, it was like, here's these big schools in Texas offering me as an athlete or a DB, a position I've never really played, and I want to be a quarterback. So I didn't love football at the time, I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. So I knew if I went somewhere and sat, 
I just I was gonna be good. <laughs> I said, if it wasn't yeah. gonna be good, I was gonna be yeah. playing something else because I was gonna go play all three mm-hmm. in college: play basketball, run track, and play football. So Stanford came along, and the only reason I didn't go to Stanford was because they didn't allow early graduates. I graduated in in, in January, and I started school three days later at yeah. at Baylor before everyone did that. Before right? everyone yeah. ever, everyone did yeah. that. So uh, Harbaugh brought me up, and the the biggest mistake he made was he made Richard Sherman my host. Not because I don't like Sherm. Uh, Sherm was, was awesome. He was a great host. We had a blast. Mm-hmm. Sherm was a wide receiver. Andrew Luck was committed to Stanford at the time. Mm-hmm. I was an early graduate. Harbaugh said he would bring me in and let me compete with Andrew to be the quarterback. But then he, he didn't give me Tavita Pritchard as my host. Mm-hmm. So I just put two and two together, and I'm like, well, why would he bring me in and not make a quarterback my host? Yeah. He made a receiver my host, and then I found out when I got to the Ravens later in my career, a bunch of that staff was on staff at Stanford, and they said, oh, yeah, we were certainly bringing you in, let you compete at quarterback, but if it didn't work out, the the plan was 1,000% to move you to wide receiver. I'm like, yeah, I I know. Uh, But I honestly would have been at Stanford and competing with Andrew if they allowed early graduates. They didn't, so I committed to Houston. Uh, and then Coach Browse left Houston and went to Baylor. And funny enough, Baylor offered me as a walk-on. And if you know anything about Baylor at that mm-hmm. time, they were terrible. Mm-hmm. But they had a commitment from a guy named Nick Florence who ended up being one of my teammates and, and uh, was a starting quarterback after I left. And the coach was Guy Morris, and he was committed to Nick. So mm-hmm. I respected that. Yeah. I always respected the fact that he stayed committed to the quarterback, even though the quarterback was lower rated than I was. Mm-hmm. But once Coach Browse came, he brought me with him to Baylor. My mom wanted me to go to Baylor anyway. Yeah. I'm Christian. It's a Baptist university. And I ended up running track and playing football and not basketball. But it was a long, winding road to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I ended up being in the right place for me. And obviously, the rest is history. So if it wasn't for Richard Sherman being your host, you would have been at Stanford. I, I, I would have been at Stanford. <laughs> the other the other problem was that they just weren't going to allow me to come in. So yeah, that, yeah. Uh, I, I was already I was already on that path. So it was it was a double whammy. I'd have been yeah. at Stanford if they let me in, but uh, because they didn't let me in, I wasn't just going to do nothing for four mm-hmm. months. And uh, obviously, they 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 kind of hedge their bet by showing me that they're going to move me. Do you ever think about, I think about this all the time in my career, like how different your career could have been if you just made one different small decision, you know what I mean? Like how different things could have turned out. No, it's, (laughs) it, you know, like you saying that it's like life works out the way it's supposed to work out. And yeah, if I had gone to Stanford, I 1000% believe that I win that job. Mm -hmm. But I also could have went to Houston and I thought 100%. I'm going to win that job. Mm. But guess who were at those two schools? Andrew Luck Mm. and Case Keenum. (laughs) I went to a game at Houston when I was a senior. I was already committed there. Mm. And Case Keenum was a starting quarterback. And Case threw three interceptions in that game and did not play very well. And when we walked in the locker room before that game, the team in the locker room was coming up to me because they knew that I was going to be the quarterback the next year. So it's like... God works in mysterious ways because Case Keenum's one of the greatest quarterbacks in college football history statistically and a great guy. And Andrew Luck is also the same. Mm -hmm. To me, I think guys need to look at where they're going more so than uh, how much they're going to play early. Mm -hmm. Because for me, obviously, 
going to Baylor was amazing. Yeah. But if you go to a place like LSU, you go to an Alabama, you go to a, a Texas or a Texas A&M, the alumni network is so massive. much more yeah. massive. Yeah. So I think guys need to pay attention to that a little bit. I don't think I would change my decision at all because mm-hmm. the way that it all played out. Um, but I'm happy that it, it worked out for me, Case, mm-hmm. Andrew, and everybody in between because it, it was the it was where it's supposed to be. The other thing too is, I feel like kids getting recruited. You try to plan out every aspect of it. It <laughs> never goes the way you think it's going to. You're like, okay, they had this quarterback committed, and people get hurt. Like you just never know, and you try to plan it all out. It's God's plan, man. There's nothing, There's, nothing else, nothing that you, you don't know how it's going to play out. The it's only, crazy. the only thing you can do is put in the work. No doubt that you know, because I, I didn't really look at that when I was committing to different schools. Mm-hmm. It was more so like, do they have a star? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like if the quarterback is a star, it's really hard to to just come no in and, and play early. That's yeah. just like you're not going to go to Alabama and play over Bryce Young. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but. There are schools that you can go to that that have open competitions when their star leaves. Mm-hmm. And guys should pay attention to that. No doubt. But at the end of the day, know that as soon as you get there, they're already working on the guy to replace you. Yeah. yeah. Because that's co- yeah, that's no college doubt. football, and it's how the do N- we get better at that position. And it's so, the NFL yeah. as well. So all yeah. you can do is how can I get better? How can I get faster? How can yeah. I get stronger? How can I play better? Be more efficient. Um, and I think that has not changed at all when you talk about college football yeah. recruitment. When I think to your back to your career at at uh, Baylor, I think of the moment that you became you went from you know just a regular college quarterback to a household name. <laughs> all right. It, it had to be that I forget what year it was. You hosted Oklahoma at home, number number five Oklahoma, yep. and you you went off. Mm-hmm. I think you had like four touchdowns. Yep. Do you like? What was the moment for you during your time at Baylor where it flipped and you you became RG three the superstar and not just a regular quarterback anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was you know for at Baylor it was it was my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played as a true freshman. I did not start as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. I came in in the second quarter uh, of the first game against Wake Forest, mm-hmm. and I never came out the game ever after that. <laughs> so. I had like a little Reggie Bush moment on the <laughs> sideline. I came in the game. Um, you know, we lost that game. But I came in the game. I ran, you know, zone read out to the left mm-hmm. side. And I had a, a step back run on the sideline. Defense alignment was chasing me mm-hmm. from the side, from the middle of the field all the way to the sideline. I saw him at the last second. So I stopped and went back and he went flying out of bounds. <laughs> and, you know, I got up vertical, got about 15 more yards before I got tackled. Wish I would have scored, by the way. But <laughs> I got tackled. And in that moment the crowd started Mm -hmm. chanting rg3 Mm -hmm. and i'm like i've never been called this before guys we have a new sponsor for the next up podcast caldera lab and i am fired up because of caldera lab i'm able to put my best face forward how do i do that by adding a skincare routine from caldera lab into my day every single day now i know what you're saying there's no way this guy sticks to a skincare routine but jokes on you because there's no way this face stays this clean and looks this good without it and honestly it's not that hard i just needed the tools and now i have them from caldera lab here's some insight on my personal routine number one the clean slate it's a face wash that starts and ends every single day for me number two the base layer, a moisturizer that hydrates my skin, and number three, the good, a bedtime night serum that has my skin feeling tighter and smoother than ever before. The skincare world is not just for females anymore, it's for men too, and it's doing wonders for me. So what are y'all waiting for? Go to calderalab.com slash Adam B for 20% off their best products. That's a huge discount at calderalab.com slash Adam B. And guys, supporting our sponsors like Caldera Lab supports me and allows me to do this podcast every single 
wonderful week for all of you. So please support Caldera Lab at calderalab.com slash Adam B for 20% off. You know, in high school, my friends would call me RLG3 because my middle initial was Oh, this hasn't been a lifetime Lee. nickname. It's this not is- been a lifetime nickname. It, <laughs> it literally popped up in college. And it happened because the, the broadcast announcer said it. Oh, RG3 down the sideline. That was it. After oh. that, at Baylor, because... You know, you got to realize Baylor was on a, I think, an 18-year bowl drought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were bad. They were really bad. <laughs> yeah. So the crowd wasn't really there at the game. <laughs> <laughs> so the crowd that was there, they were captivated by it. Um, I think for me, nationally, it became more prominent. My The Heisman year in 2011, mm-hmm. the first game of the year. We played on, I think, a Friday night, and it was on national TV against TCU. TCU was highly ranked. Mm-hmm. And we were blowing them out. I mean, we were killing it. They came back, made it a really good game, and then we ended up winning on a last-second field goal. Next day, I'm in Dallas because game day is there. Mm -hmm. So they requested that, hey, can we get your quarterback to come to game day? And I went to game day the next day, and it was like those two days kind of launched me nationally Mm -hmm. from a football perspective to become a household name. Yeah. I was a freshman All-American when I was a freshman, but it was, you know. It's a different level. It was, it was a <laughs> yeah. different level. And I think four or five games into the season in 2011, I had more touchdown passes than incompletions. <laughs> so it was like we were really doing it big. And then it was, it was honestly Oklahoma. So TCU at the beginning of the game, Oklahoma, the last second touchdown mm-hmm. pass to Terrence Williams yeah. in the back corner of the end zone that uh, I could hear my coach saying, no, 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 uh, right before I threw the ball. And then, yes, 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 after we scored. And the uh, Texas game, Mm -hmm. right after that. Those those two games, those three games, really just, Mm -hmm. that won us the Heisman that year. And and really propelled me into every home in America. And, you know, you work so hard. Mm -hmm. You know, I still remember... Uh, going into the Heisman year 2011, we're in the locker room. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking. You know how it is in the locker room. Guys are like, oh, man, who would you take? Would you take this guy mm-hmm. or would you take this guy? And my running backs over here, and I'm going to put them on. I'll, I'll say the names. I'll put them on blast. Glasgow <laughs> Martin was one of the running backs. Jared Salubi, uh, Terrence Ganaway. These are our running backs. They're talking, and they're like, hey, man, what quarterback would you take? So my locker's right there. I'm listening. It's like, oh, man, I'm taking Cam Newton. <laughs> no, no, I'm taking Andrew Luck. I would take this guy. I'm like. All right, this I'm right is, here. <laughs> this is this is in the off season. I'm like, all right. I look at Glasgow. I said, well, I would take me. Yeah. And I said, I'm a, I'm gonna prove to y'all why you should take me. Mm-hmm. And and I'll never forget. I forgot about that that comment. And then we we win the Heisman and we're in bowl practices. And that running back group came up to me and said, you said you were gonna prove to us. <laughs> why we should have picked you and you were right uh-huh. and I, I had totally forgot about it because it was just you know it's locker room talk um, but that part of it for me at Baylor to be able to do something somewhere it's never been done before mm-hmm. that was a, a really you know changed my life forever yeah. I'm noticing that you say we won the Heisman yes you, you, I don't think you said I won the Heisman one time <laughs> is that intentional like do you notice you're saying that no it's intentional <laughs> and and I don't notice it anymore because I, yeah. I just made it a point since winning in, in, in 2011 because one of the the most impactful things for me winning that Heisman was watching the reaction of the fans mm-hmm. uh Every time I watch the the reaction video, 
you know, it's they compile all the videos yeah. and, and they put it on on YouTube. It, it makes me get emotional because Baylor was a school that had been overlooked for so such mm-hmm. a long time. I remember when I first got to Baylor and you know BU Baylor mm-hmm. University. <laughs> I go to New York for something. I can't remember what it was. Maybe a track meet or something. <laughs> you said BU, and I say BU, and they're like Boston, Boston University. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious right now? Boston University. Nothing against Boston University, yeah. but there wasn't a lack of identity there because there's a such a long gap mm-hmm. since Grant Taft was there and had so many great teams, and Mike Singletary mm-hmm. uh, was the linebacker for the Baylor Bears. Um, so for me. You know, just to be able to do that and, and see the reaction of those fans, uh, it let me know how much it meant to us. So yeah. that's why in the speech, I, I'm talking about we and us. I don't win the the Heisman. Uh, Baylor doesn't win the Heisman if it's not for my teammates. Yeah. You know, we had some games there. We almost lost to Kansas that year. Kansas was really bad that season. We're down 17 in the fourth quarter, and we had to come back and win. Yeah. And if Terrence Reese, I mean, uh, not Terrence Reese, if Tevin Reese, my wide receiver, doesn't make a great, a uh, couple great plays down the field uh, for us in that game, yeah. and Mike Hicks doesn't get an interception at the end of the game or knock the ball down, we don't win the Heisman because yeah. now we're at, now we have four losses. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just I, I feel like I understand all of that and I know how much it means to the fan base Baylor Nation mm-hmm. and, and that's what makes it so special. So I always say we won the Heisman because it was a it was a collaborative effort and I just know how much it meant to the school. Uh, only Heisman in school history. Yeah. It's different when yeah. you win a Heisman at Baylor than when you win it mm-hmm. at Texas or you win it yeah. at Alabama no, no. or Ohio State or wherever. So yeah, it's funny. I, I was preparing for this conversation. Uh, last night talking to one of the guys that helps me with all, all my content and he brought up he's like RG3 changed the trajectory of the Baylor program like it would not be what it is today if, if you hadn't gone there and it's funny because I kind of forgot like how bad Baylor was before <laughs> you went there and, and until we looked at it and really right after you left they, they make the massive investment in the new facility and and I, I really do feel like you completely. If it wasn't for you, that program wouldn't be where it is today. Do you ever? I know. Uh, I, know I know. I know. It's, I know. it's a big statement. Yeah, yeah, but do you yeah, ever yeah. notice? Do you ever think about that or notice it or has it ever? It's. It's. To me, I know you're humble and like you won't say that you change it, but it's cool because you also made an impact on all these players that play there now who have much more pride in playing <laughs> at Baylor than they than oh, they used to. You have no idea, like. Um, I, you're right. I will never say that. Uh, <laughs> so I said I, I had a. Bl- I, I was blessed to be able to watch Baylor go from what it was mm-hmm. to what it is um, while I was at the university. So when we first get there, you talk about having pride in where you play. No, no one wanted to say they played for the Baylor football team. <laughs> Nobody. So coach made these shirts for us, uh, and it was Kaz Kazadi. He mm-hmm. made these shirts, and it said, "I play for BU." They were black shirts. Cool looking shirts with the Baylor logo on it. And he said, You guys got to wear these. You're going to wear these to school, to wear these to class at least once a week. So everybody's wearing them to class once a week. You know, teachers are laughing. You know, students are, ah, they play for Baylor. You know, the, this team had just lost the previous year. I was watching it on TV. They lost to Oklahoma State, I think yeah. like 79 to 14 or something. Mm-hmm. Like just an unbelievable score. So I got it. But I got to watch. The school go from, like, you know, football being talked about bad mm-hmm. to being praised. I would go into class when I was a freshman, and the teachers, the professors, would make fun of the football team. <laughs> 
they would make fun of the football team in the class. And I'm like, what is going on here? I come from Coppers Cove, Texas, where yeah. football's king. Yeah. A lot of pride. Everybody loves the football team. They support the team. Whereas the direct opposite at Baylor mm-hmm. at this time. But I, we went from working out at Floyd Casey, which you know now mm-hmm. does not exist. Yeah. That stadium's gone. We were working out there. That's 20 minutes away from campus. Mm-hmm. So you're driving all the way across Waco to go work out in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Driving all the way back across campus to have to go to go to class. We went from that to getting an on-campus facility mm-hmm. to getting an on-campus stadium. And I never played in that stadium, but it, I think it was unveiled maybe two years after I was done. They knocked down Floyd Casey. But I got to watch the support for the program grow. The, the teachers and the, and the students have pride in the football team again. Mm-hmm. I got to watch the facilities improve. And not everybody gets that. A lot of times it's like yeah. right after you leave, then everything starts to come yeah. in. Most of the stuff came in while I was still there. And I was grateful for it because, one, I didn't have to burn all that gas <laughs> going all the <laughs> way across uh, the city and yeah. coming back every time. But at the same time, we saw our level rise. Yeah. And, you know, as you know, in any football program, the more money you put into the program, mm-hmm. typically the better the results that you can get. Yeah. Uh, and Baylor had to start doing that, and they did. Yeah. So uh, I'm thankful to every coach I've had, every teammate I've had. You know, there's guys that I got hurt my second year in college mm-hmm. and there's guys on that team that I felt you know they deserved to go to a bowl game we didn't actually break that bowl drought till my redshirt sophomore year Yeah, but guys like Jordan Lake who was a, lot, a safety that we mm-hmm. had Joe Pavelic was a linebacker that we had J.D. Walton was my center those guys deserved to go to a bowl game yeah. and they didn't get that but we wouldn't have been able to go to a bowl game Baylor wouldn't be where it's at without those guys we don't win the Heisman without those guys because mm-hmm. I learned so much from them and they help prop us up those are really talented players all of them yeah. played played in the NFL um, so uh, I just I look back on the time at Baylor and I understand the magnitude of what we did but I also know it was more than just me yeah uh, I want to ask you about the Heisman week yep. and winning the Heisman because that's such a it's it's a, an experience that so few people get to live through right <laughs> going to New York City for the Heisman and, and, and that whole ordeal yep what was that week like what, what how just take me through like what actually goes on there it's funny I was talking to Kenny Pickett about it and he was like it's a mo you go there and you're almost it's like surreal because you Correct. dream about it your whole life and then you're actually just living it uh, during, during, yeah. during the week I would say first and foremost they get as many autographs out of you as they possibly can like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, this like uh, what is going on here like this is like ball 3000 I'm not sure but uh, at the end of the day for for me being at Baylor and then going to the Heisman, and you got Andrew Luck at Stanford. Mm-hmm. You got Trent Richardson at Alabama. That's right. You got Trent Tyron Matthew at LSU. And you got Monty Ball from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. When I walked into the room, like, I, you know, I know these guys, these are my peers. Um, but I'm like, there's no way Baylor's winning this Heisman. <laughs> there's no way. Like, I get it. We, we, we really stormed down the stretch, and we had a lot of great games that were on TV against highly ranked opponents. But these are like the blue blood programs mm-hmm. that you can think of. You know, I consider Wisconsin, LSU, Alabama, mm-hmm. Stanford, I wouldn't say is a blue blood, but you, you know what yeah, I mean. Stanford. At, at yeah. the time, it's, it's Stanford, mm-hmm. right? 
So I'm talking, I'm sitting there, I'm talking with the coaches and I'm like, I'm nervous. I'm really, really nervous. You know, getting through all the autographs is fine. Doing the, the uh, press conferences is fine. You know, you get your picture mm. with the Heisman and, and kind of getting to feel that they're taking you on stage for the, for the, you know, the rehearsal to say, Hey, you guys are going to be sitting here. And then mm. one of you is going to come up here. We don't know who's going to win it, yeah. but make sure you have a speech prepared. And so to Kenny's point, it is surreal because at least at that time for me, the only time I ever thought about the Heisman mm-hmm. was on NCAA football. <laughs> right? Yeah. The kids that grow up now don't have that experience yeah. of, of of playing NCAA and and getting into the dynasty modes and doing all the different stuff. You're preparing for that moment. I was preparing for that moment my whole life. I'm like, you mean to tell me I got a chance to win the Heisman? Yeah. And it's not a video game? So... You know, for me, I talked to coach and I said, I just don't think they're going to give it to us. We're there was a term, uh, at least when I first got to Baylor, that the other Big 12 schools used to refer to us as as little old Baylor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Oh, to circle that as a W on your on your schedule. Mm. So by the time we now we're on the national stage, we're at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. It's like, are they still going to look at us as little old Baylor? So when they start, you know, doing the introduction of who's going to win. I mean, everybody says this. Oh, I can feel my heart beating yeah. out of my chest. It's it's real, man. It's yeah. real because you don't know. And for a, a school like Baylor, that's the smallest of all the schools that are there, mm-hmm. right? Probably has the the lowest endowment of all the schools that are there. The le the the smallest national footprint of all the schools that are there. Mm-hmm. To win that, like, come on, man. That this would be just historic. So when they call call my name. I was like, oh my God. Were you we, shocked? We <laughs> just won the Heisman. <laughs> I just I just knew. Like I knew all these other guys and how highly toted they were. Mm-hmm. And I didn't come into the year as a first round pick or projection. And our team didn't come in uh being a highly ranked team. But I think we finished uh eleventh uh in the in the polls that year, eleventh or twelfth. So I was shocked. My coach wasn't shocked, my family wasn't shocked. Yeah. Cause they felt like what we had done that year was more than enough to win the Heisman. Uh, but I always took it as you don't ever want to go in anything expecting something. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what made it more special. Yeah. How how do what's the interaction like with the other guys after you win? Like cuz they obviously it's funny too. I think there's a little bit of a misconception that people fans don't think that the play, once you're there kind of like ah they're just happy to be there. They're like right. they all want to win the Heisman no, like that, right? Yeah, yeah, what's yeah. it like with those guys after? Yeah, you know, I, I was just I don't know how big you are in the track and field, but the World Championships yeah. is going on and uh first day of the meet, the Netherlands has their greatest distance runner Safan Hassan fall down mm-hmm. right before the finish line, right? Then they have their greatest 400 hurdler and 400 meter runner Femke Bol fall down in the mixed relay right before the finish line uh, as she's trying to run for gold. And there's a picture of Femke falling with the American runner who ran her down Mm -hmm. uh, that ends up winning the race. She's celebrating past the line and Femke is like in agony. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the best way to describe what the Heisman is. If it's four guys or five guys or however many guys, the, the other guys that don't win they are there to help celebrate with you, but they're also agonizing hurting. and hurting on the yeah. inside because they didn't get to fulfill that dream for them. Yeah. So what I did was they, they give you an opportunity to go out on the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least they did. I don't know if they still do, <laughs> but they gave us an opportunity to go out on the town and they said, listen, you can take this limo mm-hmm. after you win. 
go do your thing. Uh, you know, I was over 21 at that time. I, I don't drink, but yeah. uh, it's like I can go to any club I want, you know, mm-hmm. we'll do what we want. So I actually invited all the guys to come out mm-hmm. and and just took them out on the town. Uh, now, now Tyron ended up chilling with Diddy uh, <laughs> in New York uh, that night, but we did get him eventually, yeah. and, and he came out with us as well. So that part of it to me was like, you guys are ballers. Mm-hmm. All of them are certified yeah. college football greats for what they did for the universities, and I didn't want them to feel like uh, it was all about me in that moment. Even though I did win the Heisman, mm-hmm. we did win the Heisman at Baylor, I wanted them to know how much I appreciated appreciated them, so I took them all out with me, and we had a blast. You don't drink at all. I don't. Is that just uh, for your whole life? Or you, yeah, like I a, health, drank, a health decision. Or yeah, that? just haven't drank, and yeah. and for me, it's more. Uh, your body is a temple. Yeah. Right. Your body is a temple, and you want to make sure you take care of it. It's like poison, man. Yeah. So for me, it was. It's more of a. I don't judge. You know, like my wife drinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in my family drink. Friends drink. I don't judge. I don't judge them while they're drinking. We just have fun. Yeah. And uh, I just have fun without drinking. And now that I'm, uh, you know, not playing, I'm going to give it a few more, you know, mm-hmm. years or whatever to to see if, if what can happen there. But I will probably will eventually <laughs> at some so point because I'm not against it. Yeah. Uh, and it's not something that I feel like I need. Mm-hmm. But you know, to do it one time and. Maybe catch it on film. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, it, 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 it is funny, man. From a drinking perspective, I, I, wear, I don't know if you like track your sleep and do the fitness track. This is a whoop that tracks everything. It is crazy how much one drink affects your sleep, your recovery. Really? Oh yeah, so, I mean it's like poison. It's it's crazy. My heart rate goes up when I when you have it. It's it is funny. Yeah, we, we've all we've both probably had those teammates in college at least that you know went out the night before and then they come yeah. to work well, out the saw, next you morning. Saw the Manziel documentary. Yeah. <laughs> I did see you that. It? What did you think? I did watch it. Uh, you know, I think uh, the the doc fulfilled what what Johnny wanted to tell. Dude, I was just talking about that with the Swamp King. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, whatever those guys wanted to tell, it, yeah. it told. But if we're being honest with the with ourselves, there's a lot there left on the plate. No doubt for the Manzel doc and for the Swamp Kings mm-hmm. doc um, that should be addressed and yep. could be addressed. They just didn't do it in that story and that's their prerogative. You know, Johnny wanted, if he wanted that to be told and didn't want anything else to be told, that's, it's his story. Yeah. He can tell it however he wants to but yeah, if we're being honest, yeah. there's, there's so much more it, there. It is so tough because like, if, if you're going to get Urban to be part of it, you're going to get Johnny Obviously, there's going to be things you got to agree to to get him to do it. But yeah, I mean, there's so much. I mean, I would have loved to hear heard more about what Johnny's been doing since he stopped playing to now. Yeah, yeah, that was the part that just cut out. You know, it would have been cool to hear at least that yeah. like self discovery through that process. It just ends with him drinking a beer. And you're like, they they cut what's out. What's he doing now? They obviously cut out the CFL. They cut out yeah. the fan control exactly. football league. Uh, and I think there's a nostalgia there with Johnny because John, it's, it's Johnny football. Like yeah. first first freshman ever win the Heisman and. There's so much of a story to tell there that could be even more impactful towards addiction. No doubt. uh, Towards depression. Even when they mentioned in the doc that he thought about killing himself. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I want to hear more about this. Yeah, and it just like, it, can we can yeah. we talk a little bit more about this so that we can understand like yeah. why that was going on? So I don't I, I don't think we're saying anything that yeah. that most people haven't already said, but 
if anything, he got paid for it. Yeah. I'm sure the guys in Swamp Kings got paid for it, and they'll probably get paid again because yeah. they left so much on the table. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, draft night because yeah. it was – if I remember correctly, there was a bunch of rumors about maybe the Rams were were in play. They, I think they yeah. had to pick and traded it, right? Is that yeah. how, how it played yeah. out? How did how did that play out? And how did you how did you find out that Washington was going to trade up and take it? Yeah, so it was a big trade. It was a huge, it was a huge yeah. trade. It didn't happen on draft night, so it happened. I think a few weeks before. That's right. yeah, yeah. It actually happened, but right before my pro day. Yeah. So. My quarterback coach uh, for the the pre-draft process, which was the first time I'd ever worked with a quarterback coach, Mm -hmm. by the way. (laughs) Who was it? (laughs) Terry Shea. Now, Terry Shea is a long-time NFL Mm -hmm. coach, you know, coach for the Chiefs for a really long time. And for whatever reason, me and him, we really really vibed well together. Just the way that he coached, the the stuff that he was teaching me, um, I really was attracted to that. So he used to play this card game with me, uh, you know, where he'd have me pick a card. So when we first got together, uh, he had me, you know, yeah, who's your favorite teams? Who's this? Who's this? Who's this? Uh, so he's getting ready to do this this card game. Well, we don't play it that day. And I'm like, okay, well, why did he just ask me all those questions? <laughs> mm-hmm. We get a couple weeks before my pro day, and he whips out these, this deck of cards. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've got three cards here. Pick one. I pick a card. It's a Chris Cooley Washington Redskins card. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, that's the team you're going to play for. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm looking at the draft. I'm like, well, I don't even know where Washington's at. Yeah. They're definitely not in the in the top part of the draft, which is where everyone you mm-hmm. know had predicted that I would go. And then the next day, Washington traded for the Stop second it. pick in the draft from the Rams. And I and I go Stop to it. I go to work out the next day with Terry Shea. I'm like, coach. How did you know that? Yeah. He's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. It's just, you know, it's just the luck of the draw. So he actually predicted that I was, I don't know to say predicted. It was more like the card game we played the <laughs> night before, some divine intervention. Yeah. You know, we were in the matrix somehow. He yeah, you know, he's, he's got good. superpowers. And, yeah. and then Washington makes a trade. So <clears throat> the funny thing was, if that's not already funny, the funny thing was my agent then says, you don't need to do your pro day. I'm like, well, why wouldn't I do my pro day? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, Washington just moved up to the second pick. They're taking a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it's either going to be you or it's going to be Andrew Luck. Whoever goes one, mm-hmm. you know, the other one's going to Washington. I'm like, okay, I get that. But I'm still going to do my pro day. And the reason I wanted to do my pro day still was because pro day wasn't about me. Yeah. that's what it's, it's about my guys. Yeah. Putting Baylor on the map. Putting, and all. putting yeah. Baylor on the map, putting my guys on the map, yeah. getting them, and them an opportunity to, to shine in front of every team in the NFL that's going to yeah. be there evaluating the quarterback. Kendall Wright was a first-round pick that year. Mm-hmm. Right? That That's my guy. He was my receiver, my go-to mm-hmm. guy. I'm not saying the pro day is the reason he went for, uh, in the first round. Yeah. I'm just saying didn't hurt. it didn't hurt. <laughs> and there's some other guys that ended up getting NFL opportunities because of that pro day. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that for them. So I, I pushed back against my agent and still did the pro day. Mm-hmm. And draft day comes around. I'm still in my heart of, hardest of hearts believing that I can still go number one overall. Mm-hmm. I, had, I didn't know that weeks before the draft they'd already told Andrew <laughs> we're picking you yeah yeah but so I'm listening to the first pick like actually anxious could be me. Yeah. like this could be me wow yeah. and it, to me it wasn't just about being the first pick it was about the situation 
and where you were going. Replacing Peyton Manning is, is very difficult, but there was a winning culture in place there in Indy that was not in place in Washington. Yeah. So I knew that that was something that, that could be. Now, I didn't know everything that was going on in Washington. Mm-hmm. I found out. It's a lot going but on. But I didn't know everything <laughs> that was going on, but I knew that from the standpoint of a winning franchise and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So then when my name got called on draft day in the second pick, as a second pick, it wasn't a huge shock mm-hmm. because Washington had made the trade yeah. weeks before, and they had told me if I was there at two I was the guy. Mm-hmm. I heard that from Mike Shanahan. Yeah. I heard it from Kyle Shanahan, and I heard it from Dan Snyder. So I I knew where I was going. So a little bit of the draft that I wouldn't take it back. But mm-hmm. if you could do it again, there is something to say to have that surprise yeah. of where you're going. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't always happen like that at yeah. the top of the draft. You know, I, I just had on the podcast as well two quarterbacks. Christian Hackenberg and Deshaun Kaiser. Remember okay. those two names? Yes, I do. And we, we got into big conversations about, as a quarterback, why where you go matters so much. Oh, and yeah, the situation yeah, yeah. you walk into and just a bunch of different dynamics. What was... What are your thoughts on that? And obviously, going to Washington, you know, you had so much, you have a bunch of ups and downs in your career. You're the face of the NFL one year, and then you get injured, and then there's a bunch of chaos going on. Do you ever think about if you didn't go to Washington, my career might have been different, or just the situation you had to walk into there? Yeah, what I would say is it's, it's, Before we get to the pod, I want to tell you all about our newest sponsor, Athletic Greens. And let me tell you, when I found out about this sponsor, I was fired up because I've been using Athletic Greens for years, and I want to promote to you guys the things I actually use. I love Athletic Greens. As a former Division I athlete, I've tried countless supplements, and recently, my nutrition and my health has become a bigger deal for me as I get farther away from my playing career. And let me tell you, Athletic Greens is the real deal, has me feeling healthy and energized every single day. With as much as I'm on the road traveling shooting podcasts, it's hard to have a healthy diet, hard to have healthy nutrition, hard for me to get my vitamins and minerals every single day. My doctor even told me that last time I saw him. But with Athletic Greens, I get 75 plus vitamins, minerals, and a bunch of other healthy things. I don't even know what they are, but I know they're good for you. And when I wake up every single day now, I feel energized. My digestion has never been better, and I'm ready to attack each and every day because of Athletic Greens and AG1. So if you want to take ownership of your health like I am right now, try AG1 today at drinkag1.com slash next up and you get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs when you go to my link tryag1.com slash next up and guys all of you who support this podcast you guys supporting our sponsors helps me a ton so please go support ag1 and support next up through the process and optimize your health and nutrition today drinkag1.com slash next up check it out that's a tough one we could do you got another two hours (laughs) (laughs) nah it's it's very simple if I didn't go to Washington, I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm-hmm. And now some people say, well, no, yeah, of course, you'd still be playing, right? <laughs> it's like, what I'm saying is, like, in order to have a testimony, you got to have a test. And my test was my NFL career. Mm-hmm. To go from being the face of the franchise and a face of the NFL to out of the league in five years and then to get back in and go to Baltimore and be the fourth quarterback in Baltimore mm-hmm. – which most high draft picks won't even think about doing yeah. and earning your way back is is very difficult but it's all it was all part of my journey so um, I don't think about it like man my career would have been different I know mm-hmm. it would have been different everyone knows it would have been different if I had been drafted somewhere else but do I love DC absolutely mm-hmm. I love that city I love that team and now that there's new ownership in place there 
I'm looking forward to getting back involved with the team and already have. That's why I was in D.C. yesterday. So I I don't look at it as spilled milk anymore. You know, for a while there, maybe until I was out in 2017, there was a lot of resentment there. There was a lot of upsetness inside of my spirit about that situation and about what happened there. But I was able to let that go because you can't you cannot move forward in life if you're continuing to hold on to the the hurts from your past. And I've been able to process everything that happened understand why it happened and then for me just find ways to continue to get better to make sure that the rest of your life is the best of your life yeah um so i don't ever look back now and say oh my gosh man if i'd have got drafted here in this situation with this 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 i more so look at it as i want kenny pickett to go where they want him to go where they want him everyone in the organization wants him and you've heard me say it on the draft on tv the most important thing for a quarterback is uniformity from the top down. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on the owner, same page. GM, owner, coach, GM, yeah. coach. We're seeing it right now with Trey Lance in the San Francisco mm-hmm. 49ers. Can you pick it at Steelers. I mean, right? Like, Trey Lance is, is yeah. you know, now the third quarterback for yeah, the 49ers. Yeah. Kenny Pickett goes into, into Pittsburgh, but everyone's yeah. in alignment. Everyone wants him. This yeah. is our guy. Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. They're mm-hmm. all in alignment. This is our guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philly with Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. They traded away uh, MVP yeah. candidate in Carson Wentz because this is our guy. Yeah. And you need that as a quarterback. It's so much easier to be successful in the NFL as a wide receiver, as a DB, um, because a lot of what you do is based off of just you. As a quarterback, you're not just a leader. You're having to rely on a lot of other things. And it's important for that coach Mm -hmm. and the GM and the owner to create an environment that the quarterback can thrive in. And I had many conversations with with Lamar about this when when I was his uh, backup in Baltimore and, and his mentor. Like the best thing that ever happened to Lamar, is he got drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, yeah. a team with structure and identity, right? Mm-hmm. Play like a Raven, and they believed in him. Yeah. No one else. They traded back into the first round to, to go. go get him yeah. because they believed in him as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think that is important. You don't want to trade a bunch of draft picks yeah. for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then not create an environment for him to be successful in it or yeah. to there to be division in the ranks. Yeah. That's not what you want to yeah. do. During your NFL career, I, I love talking about the, the adversity side of stories. My, I had a bunch of adversity in my career, and I kind of like diving into it. What was the one moment during your time in the NFL where it might have been the toughest or the darkest or the time where you were like, man, I got I to overcome this? And then what did, how did you overcome it? What was the, <laughs> who were you talking to? What was the advice you were getting during yeah. that time? I think the toughest moment was 2015, uh, where I didn't play a snap. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. I, yeah, I go into this. I go into yeah. the off season. Um, Jay Gruden's, yeah, hey, RG threes, quarterback one, <laughs> right? I, that's probably a horrible Jay Gruden voice, but <laughs> he's he's quarterback one. And you know, I go into to OTAs. Uh, I go into training camp. I'm I'm having an amazing off season. We're doing great. Uh, you know the reviews out of camp are oh man RG three looks looks good looks like he's ready to have a breakout year going to the preseason preseason game, whoo maybe two or three, I get a stinger in my in my shoulder from a hit starting left tackle and starting right tackle don't play in the game, I get hit it's not a huge deal it wasn't like a, a really bad stinger, mm-hmm. uh, but they throw me in the concussion protocol, 
And I'm like, okay, well, I need to play in this third game because my career here in Washington is on the line. Mm. I do everything I'm supposed to. I know I don't have a concussion. I pass all the concussion tests. I get cleared on a Friday night Mm. to go play in the preseason game on a Saturday. Wake up on Saturday and find out I've been uncleared. And I'm like, okay, well, how am I uncleared? Well, they're saying the doctor, that he made a mistake. I said, well let, me, well, let me talk to the doctor. It's like, oh, no, we, they fired him. <laughs> oh, the doctor got fired, and you uncleared me? So I don't play that preseason game. I get demoted the next day after the preseason game. Not for, I was quarterback one. I go from QB1 to QB3. Not QB2 to QB3. Mm-hmm. QB1 to QB3. They're not going to play me the whole year. Uh, come to find out the reason they did that was because I had my fifth-year option and they didn't want anything to happen to where they owed me that money because at that time, fifth-year options weren't guaranteed. Yeah. It was just injury guaranteed. So all this is going on. Nobody is really mm-hmm. tracking all this stuff, but this is all going on. I'm like, now I find myself in the middle of the year uh, and this man put me on scout team at safety. So I'm like, all right, listen, I turned down Texas A&M. I turned down Texas. I turned down all these schools in college to go play a different position. And now I'm in the NFL, former franchise player, <laughs> playing scout team safety. And, I, and it was that, there was that practice that happened. It didn't happen ever again after that mm-hmm. because the media caught a hold of it and mm-hmm. kind of put it out there. Yeah. Like, RG3's playing scout <laughs> team safety. I don't know who found out. I didn't yeah. tell anybody, but it happened. After that practice, I stayed after practice, which I did every day. I stayed after practice every day, and I would, because I would get no reps in practice, no scout team reps, no obviously, mm-hmm. you know, number one team reps, and I would go through the whole practice uh, by myself. Mm-hmm. Go through the whole practice, make all the throws, get one of the interns to come out there and throw with me. Uh, that practice, I went out there and I did that for forty-five minutes afterwards, and then I spent like ten or fifteen minutes just punting balls. I'm not a punter. You know that. Mm-hmm. Just punting balls. Just think, trying to get myself through this grind of like, why am I still doing this? Yeah. Am I still doing this because I love the game? Am I doing this because I don't want to be broken? And I made that decision on the field that day after that practice that no matter what, I'm going to make sure that I'm not the reason I'm not prepared. I'm going to make sure I'm not the reason that I fail. I had already made that decision in my mind when I was six years old, mm-hmm. right? But we all have these moments where we have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And you can allow what you're going through to break you. You can allow what you're going through to break your spirit, to break how kind you are, to change your attitude towards life. Mm-hmm. And for me in that moment, I made the decision that I'm gonna just keep pressing forward. I'm gonna keep treating people well. I'm gonna keep working hard. I'm gonna keep doing what I have to do to be successful and not let anything that I ever go through break me. Mm-hmm. And that was the toughest moment there in 2015. And I did that. I was, no one, you'd heard anything about me in 2015. Mm-hmm. I was a great teammate to Kirk. We won the division that year. Uh, I cheered when we scored. I cheered when we won. I was there every step of the way for the team in the playoffs. And then when it was my time to leave, I left. Yeah. And I think for me, that was a big year. Uh, of just recollection on what I had been through and what I was going to do going forward. And I carried that with me for the rest of my time. Let me ask you this. How have you changed the most since maybe you went into the league in mm-hmm. 2012, 2013 to now, in 2023, the broadcast? You're like, how, mm-hmm. have, how have you evolved and changed as a person? 
Uh, man, I just think I'm more aware. Like, there's there's certain things that happened in D.C., like uh, the run against the Minnesota Vikings. We, we have that. Uh, it's a 76-yard touchdown run down mm-hmm. the sideline. Everybody loves that play, right? Cruising. Right? <laughs> so we're like, uh, it's a double-A gap blitz. Mm-hmm. And... I just go right up the middle. I take a drop. I look into my receiver on the left. Uh, he got tied up a little bit, so I just ran down the middle. We get to the post-game press conference. I don't hear what the coaches say. So apparently Kyle and or Mike had said, oh, it was a quarterback draw. <laughs> but it wasn't a quarterback draw. Yeah. It was it, just you It was just, I, it was just me <laughs> creating. So when I go to the podium, mm-hmm. they ask me, Hey, what happened on that last play? Mm-hmm. Um, was it a design quarterback draw? Mm-hmm. And I say, no. no, it wasn't a design quarterback draw. I just saw an opening. Royster made a great block on the linebacker mm-hmm. in the double A in the double A A gaps, and I just skirted down the field. Uh, I go into telling the story like I'm running towards the sideline. The entire sideline is telling me, "Get down, <laughs> get down." <laughs> And I'm like, why are they telling me to get down? Yeah. I'm going to go score a touchdown. So I end up turning the corner, and it's Harrison Smith. Mm-hmm. And I outrun Harrison Smith, and then you know the rest is history with the 76-yard run. Uh, and then I find out after the press conference the next day, I get called in, and I kind of get a little bit of an ass ripping mm-hmm. because they had said it was a quarterback draw. And I contradicted that and said that it wasn't. Yeah. So even if it, I was right, I was wrong. Just be like, don't lie. That's what you would think, right? But in this game yeah. of football, there's there are egos. Mm-hmm. And any great player has an ego. Mm-hmm. But everyone wants credit for everything that's going on. Yeah. And I, there were certain things that I did in Washington that I didn't understand were wrong because... I didn't understand that part of the game. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the the political side of the game. And for me, the growth that I've had is understanding how to play the game within the game mm-hmm. and never losing sight of why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever did that, but I did stop having fun mm-hmm. at some point uh, in, tw- in the, my years in, in Washington. The fun of the game was taken from me. Yeah. So when I was out of the league in 2017, that, I, that, that's honestly what I focused on. Mm-hmm. Do I really love this game? Yeah. Do I love football? And I, I, I trained for an entire year in 2017. Mm-hmm. Only football. I got calls. Mm-hmm. No, no one signed me. And it was in that moment, I'm like, you know what? Whoever gives me an opportunity to come work out, do this in, in 2018, mm-hmm. I'm there. Yeah. Ravens called. I went and did a workout. I threw a Willie Sneed, uh, is it, uh, Michael Floyd. Mm-hmm. And one ball hit the ground. Scout for the Ravens said, man, it's like riding a bike for you, huh? I'm like, oh, you didn't know I've been training for the last, you know, the last couple of years to just get this opportunity. And uh, I think for me, uh, that's where the biggest growth has come. And just like, yeah, you know, you can say you're dedicated, but are you dedicated? Yeah. Do you really want it? When it hits the fan, do you really want it? Mm-hmm. And I think I proved to myself that I did. I proved to myself that even when it's not going my way, mm-hmm. I can be a great teammate. Yeah. And that's what I did in 15 for Kirk. Uh, that's what I did in 18, 19, and 20 for Lamar. And I think it's a part of my legacy that, you know, I never gave up on my dream, but I also made sure that I was trying to do what yeah. was best for the team. I love it. 
Last couple of things I got for you. I appreciate all the wisdom, man. No I, I could talk to you for four hours. Um, you've done such a good job of also on the content side of things outside of just, you know, for so long it's been people that are just TV first, right? You got like the, the older, like the Herb Street's right. like no content. And then you get, now you're getting the mix of like, I started in content and then got into TV. I started mm-hmm. creating on TikTok. You've done a great job of the, all the content you put out. One, where does, where did that decision come from to, to embrace the content side of it yep. and just the raw TikTok screen? And then also I want to tie it into the advice for, on the content side for current athletes, yeah. guys that are dealing with NIL stuff, current NFL players who may be afraid of doing content and how much you can help them yeah. off the field and further in their careers after playing. Yes, I would say I didn't do a ton of content when I was playing. Mm-hmm. The reason was because it is a massive commitment. No doubt. <laughs> you know, so when you're playing quarterback yeah. and you're a quarterback in the NFL and you're the face of the franchise and, you know, everyone's getting your jerseys, mm-hmm. uh, content doesn't really matter for you. Mm-hmm. You're going to get the endorsement deal. There's enough content of you already. Yeah. You're going to get the endorsement <laughs> deal because you're yeah. the quarterback of the L.A. Chargers. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got the big money deal. That's not where the content creation can help quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But every other position, you need to start making content. Mm -hmm. Whether it's, you know, Twitch Mm -hmm. or YouTube gaming. Tyreek Hill has a gaming channel. You know, he's a podcast. And a podcast. And he's and he's doing a really good job. I'm not saying that everybody should have a podcast, Mm -hmm. but uh, for the younger athletes, I would say if you're going to start, start now, start in high school, junior high school. Uh, of just being yourself, having fun, building up that uh, cachet with your fan base mm-hmm. so that it, it's not like you're, oh, now you're pro and you're just trying to knock out content yeah. because you're trying to capitalize on on the movement. Yeah. I did not have social media like that until I turned pro. Mm-hmm. I wasn't on Twitter until I got drafted. I wasn't on Instagram until two years after yeah. I got drafted. Uh, You're aging I, yourself now by saying that. Right? I know, I know. <laughs> but had I, but had I done that before, yeah. I would have a much bigger, bigger following. Yeah. Uh, and I have a, a decent following on social. Um, but my advice would be: be yourself. Don't do stuff just because you think it's cool. Yeah. Don't do th- do stuff. I don't want to say that. Trends do it because you think it's yeah. cool. Yeah. Don't do stuff just because everyone else might think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Don't hop on a trend that you don't really vibe with. Mm-hmm. But it is important for brands to know who you are Mm -hmm. and who you're willing to show to the people, do that. Because you're not gonna get those years back, you're not gonna get those opportunities back. Uh, But like Bryce Young, he's a guy, you know, I'm close with him and the family. Mm -hmm. He's not a guy that's really interested in creating content. content. He he hates it, and that's fine, because he's Bryce Young. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Sauce Gardner, Sauce Gardner does an amazing job with his uh, his Twitch account and, and and his gaming, because he's a personality. Mm-hmm. DBs, wide receivers, offensive linemen. Look at what what yeah. Travis Kelsey uh, and and Jason Kelsey are doing yeah, with, with New Heights. It's sweet, mm-hmm. right? They're they're having a ton of fun. Podcast people, Paul George, mm-hmm. like they're doing a nice yeah. job of you know what JJ Reddick, all these yeah. guys will you know. Yeah. You can get into that, and it's more acceptable now. Yeah, it used to be a no-no. It right? used to be a no-no. Not a ball guy if you do. <laughs> right? You don't it, love ball. You don't yeah, love he ball. doesn't love ball. He's not. A, he's not dedicated to ball. But now it's like 
Nah, man, you should be doing this. Yeah. I think it's still different for the quarterback position, mm-hmm. which is why I didn't get into it and which is why it's been so much fun for me mm-hmm. because people get to see the more natural, goofy side of me uh, as opposed to when I was playing. They didn't get to see that all the time for mm-hmm. various reasons. Um, but like I said, most of these quarterbacks, they don't do content yeah. creation. Patrick Mahomes doesn't do a ton of content yeah. creation, but there's enough content out His there about does, him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen. You that one up, man. Yeah, listen. <laughs> All I'm saying is for guys like Mahomes and Herbert yeah. and Hertz, they have oh, enough yeah. content because they're doing so many co- yeah. commercial commercials. All these other guys in the league, they're yeah. not going to. Sauce Gardner is an amazing player. Mm-hmm. He will never get as many commercials yeah. as Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And that's not an indictment on Sauce. It's because of the position that he plays. Mm-hmm. And for him, you have to supplement that by getting into content creation. That's where the world's going. Look at yeah. what's going, happening to linear TV. Yeah. It's going down. Digital TV is is taking off. Yeah. You know, Streaming services are taking off. Mm-hmm. If you can add value to that by showing people who you are, mm-hmm. especially when you're on top, yeah. <sighs> golden. No doubt. no doubt. What's your North North Star? What, what, what's the ultimate goal for you? And I mean, you're doing so much. Broadcasting, yep. the business stuff. Like, what, what, what's the ultimate goal? Yeah, so the ultimate goal for me... Uh, and it's kind of why I I have decided to do TV mm-hmm. is at some point I want to retire from TV, be able to travel the world and help people where they're at. It's one thing to be able to accumulate enough money like, a, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. or Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg to accumulate that amount of money and be able to say, all right, I'm going to give 100 million to this cause and 100 million to that cause. It's completely different to take that money and now go actually help the people, yeah. be with the people, mm-hmm. you know, giving them access to water, giving them access to food, building roads, doing that type of stuff. To me, that's the end goal. Mm-hmm. And it's why I got into TV, because I know it's an opportunity to build something uh, notoriety wise and with the attention that can help me get to that that point. Mm-hmm. That's how I compartmentalized it at first. Like I don't want to do this, yeah, but, but I know, but I know that, that yeah. this can help me actually help people. Mm-hmm. So right now, I'm helping people have fun mm-hmm. when they watch a football game, or have fun and learn something when they watch it in studio. But what I really want to do is be able to go out and help people actually live life mm-hmm. because it's different in other places around the world, not just Africa, you know, not just India. Uh, Food uh, insecurity is a huge problem around the world, and that's something that I want to be able to help solve. Mm -hmm. So that's my North Star. Is there things that that can be ticked off in the direction of that? Yeah, I want to be a Hall of Fame broadcaster. I want to be the greatest broadcaster ever. Mm -hmm. That is my goal. I want to have fun. I want to entertain. I want to uh, inform, and I want people to walk away from a game knowing, man, that felt good. Mm -hmm. You know, you watch a game and you hear a guy calling it and he doesn't sound like he wants to be there. Mm-hmm. No, Well, guess what? Everyone watching it don't want to be there either. Yeah. They want you to be just as invested in the game as they are. Mm-hmm. When something big happens, they want to feel that excitement. Mm-hmm. And I think this is all just a part of my journey to get to that North Star, helping people along the way. Mm-hmm. So that's my mission. It's awesome, man. Well, it's been it's been fun watching your career, watching you. I remember watching you on draft night, and now sitting here <laughs> with you, and all the success you've had. And, and the most impressive part to me is how you've overcome adversity and how you've kept that attitude, that positive mindset. I feel like everyone who watches you or sees you or follows you on social media or meets you walks away a little bit more positive or a little bit happier and I think that's a really unique trait that you have which is really cool so I'm glad you did this I appreciate the hour and 30 minutes I I definitely went way over my time a lot 
allotment, right? No, nah, it's, 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 you went over the time allotment, but at the end of the day, yeah. uh, that's a testament to you uh, as sure. an interviewer and what you're doing. I'm a big fan uh, of the podcast and what you're doing as well. And the last thing I would say just to anyone that's listening is uh, everybody's somebody to somebody. Mm-hmm. So never feel like you can't make an impact because you all can in your own community with the people that are in your lives. Everyone is someone to someone. And I know we get kind of lost on that because you see the Kobe Bryant's or you see the Michael Jordan's or when someone passes away, you see all this fanfare. Well, there's people passing away every single day that meant something to somebody out there. So true. So don't ever sell yourself short. You can change the world, even if it's just changing the world around you. I love it, man. Appreciate it. No problem. That was awesome. That was a joy, right? That was great. (laughs) Appreciate it, man.